0: Welcome to Hello Latino, it's your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and today's guest is Alejandra González, a proud Latina who was born in Bolivia and immigrated to the U.S. with her immediate family at the age of 10. She talks about her immigration story, loss, first-gen pressures, and even talks about discovering her Incan identity. Shout out to Las Mujeres de Cochabamba. A little background, Alejandra is a marketing professional for a large tech company in Silicon Valley, and she's completely obsessed with skincare she currently is working on turning her obsession into a company, Glaze Skin, which caters to minorities specifically in the Latin and African American community. O sea, prepárense por esta odisea, okay? (laughs) Disfruten. I'm so excited to have you! Oh my god! Shout out to Sarah, our Gemini friend, who is, as Alejandra says, the Leo whisper. All her friends be Leos. (laughs) Um, But I'm super excited to have you and to have some representation. You're going to talk about where you come from in a sec, but I want to start with just saying welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've heard fantastic things about you. And I love your podcast, by the way. It's super ah. inspiring.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. Day one, day one. Um, <laughs> but I want to start with, again, the question. You, you've you heard these podcast episodes, so you know how to start. But it's how do you identify
1: and why? Well, I identify myself as Latina. Um, but if we want to get really down to this, The specifics I am a hundred percent Bolivian. Um, I was born in Cochabamba, Bolivia, and I love it. I love everything about my country. It's a very unknown, (laughs) not a lot of people know about Bolivia. Um, I'm usually the first person that they meet from that specific country, which is it's it's fun, right? Because then I kind of but it's I was also talking to Sarah about this, I was telling her that it's great. But it's a lot of pressure, I feel Mm -hmm. like, because (laughs) it's like, right? Like, don't you feel the weight of your entire country on your shoulders? (laughs) It's
0: so much pressure. So much pressure. (laughs) I feel that.
1: Yeah, it's like, I remember when I was younger, when when we first moved um, to the United States, uh, the pressure was to just not be an like a statistic, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. be a bad, like, oh, because, you know, as Hispanic people, we, we have a lot of negative stereotypes. Um, hella, hella. <laughs> yeah, hella stereotypes, and they're not good. <laughs> I wish they were. Yeah. Uh, so my main focus was always to just, pro- like, just prove that, that no, you're absolutely incorrect. Like just because, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you watch the movie, which unfortunately (laughs) aren't the best sources of, you know, information doesn't mean that we're all, (laughs) we're all like
0: that. Oh my gosh, girl, a hundred percent. And I was just talking about this yesterday. I was like, Someone was like, oh, like, you know, if you look at Netflix, like how many of the the movies that pop up, pop up on your screen are about, you know, the Latino community or represent Latinos? And I'm like, well, even deeper than that, like how many of them are not about narcos and how many of them are not about like these type of like drug wars and all these like chapel, like I hell see the chapel all over Netflix. And I'm like, really? Like, that's it. <laughs>
1: I'm you like, what? there's more
0: stories. <laughs> right? (laughs) We have so many negative statistics against us. And it's like, and it's not only what I'm feeling is like, it's not only the pressure of you representing Bolivia, but it's also like, you're also trying to prove that we can do better. We are better. We, you're like, there's like a double whammy, right? Like you're like, not trying to just represent your country, but you're also trying to represent your community and do the best that you can. So you don't become a statistic. It's like exactly. pressure all around.
1: <laughs> it is. It really, really is. And you know, I think this 2020 has been pff, quite the year for many reasons. Um, and one of them in particular would be just the the light that has been shed on systematic racism, right? And how mm-hmm. it's affected um, our African American brothers, right? And sisters the most. But also we we get a really a really bad brunt of it too. Um mm-hmm. So I think it's been it's been quite an eye opening experience for a lot of people. I know for for me, it's been interesting to see, you know, who's where, (laughs) whose side you're on, essentially. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. Breaking
0: hella (laughs) friendships, family relationships. You're like, bye.
1: (laughs) Yes, girl. And I'm like, wait, I thought you were cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was all a sham. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, girl, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting year. And, and I think this year has been, has been really, really stressful for all of us, but also has been extremely enlightening, right? Cause a lot of people are actually opening their eyes to really what's going on. And it's been freeing for a lot of us. I feel like, especially for, for people like myself, right? Like I came here when I was 10, um, and that's a that's a hard age to come to another country and you know not speak English and and essentially walk into a classroom and everybody speaks English and you just are like oh snap like I went from being able to talk and and articulate my thoughts and and actually you know like when I was in Bolivia uh, we were pretty well off so I went to a really good school um, and I was always kind of on top of everything right I was in Bolivia they have this system where they kind of rank you by how well you're doing in in school. And it's like a very well known. Yeah, girl, like they they put the pressure on you quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, either if you're like the first one, the second one or the third one in the class based on performance. And, you know, I was always, you know, in one of those positions. So coming here and not being able to speak it was very humbling because because you're starting from the bottom
0: right? yeah and at 10 too
1: what's yeah, that like up.
0: fifth grade yeah
1: yeah it was oh. fifth grade. <laughs> wow
0: <laughs> well let's okay well let's talk about that let's like dive deep into your story so let's talk about the beginning like do you remember your childhood in Bolivia like let's talk about that and then talk about your immigration story
1: Yeah, for sure. So my childhood was awesome. (laughs) Like it was, it was very happy, very go lucky. Um, My dad uh, was basically my favorite person. I had a fantastic family unit. My mom, uh, you know, she was, she was, you know, kind of like the very giving, gentle Latina mom that, you know, you know, if you, if you have a Latina mom, they're very open and genuine and kind and like, you know, it's very inviting, right? Yeah. Um, my dad was also like that. He was very, very kind, very genuine. If he could help anyone, he would. Um, so I was raised in a very loving and caring environment. Um, like I said, it, we were we were pretty well off. Um, my dad worked really hard, <laughs> so did my mom. Um, and my dad went through a lot of stuff, but, you know, he was a, a very, uh, I will never give up type of person, so... He uh, he made sure that he he got to the top one however he could right um and I come from a fam- family of hustlers like we work really really hard it's and nice. my <laughs> <laughs> and my brother my brother uh he's he's a very intelligent smart kid so I know like when we were little we would kind of go to the front yard and make up games and this was this was before the internet right or any like game boy or whatever, like at the time, obviously I'm from, from a third world country. Like we didn't have that, <laughs> you know, Yeah, yeah. we had, we had books and our imagination. So we made up a lot of games. Um, it was a very great, happy time. I don't remember ever being, um uh, upset or anything like my country is a very, uh, unstable country. Like I said earlier, it's a third world country. Right. But I wasn't exposed to that. You know, I wasn't exposed to any of, of the and instability or political shenanigans that were going on at the time because I was a kid and my parents were very focused on ensuring that, you know, my, my childhood was pristine. And then, yeah, I really like, loved- you Latino know,
0: parents are good at that, you know, preserving your niñez, like they're really like... I'm going to let her be a kid
2: <laughs> or yeah, let
0: her be a kid. I feel at least my family was always like that too. Like for me, I was the same way as you. Like I was really like protected from a lot of things.
1: Exactly. And they do a really, really good job of kind of taking the world on their shoulders and ensuring that you don't have to see any of the of the ugliness <laughs> that mm-hmm. is out there, right? And yeah. And I appreciate that so much now because it made me the person that I am today. Um, because those first, those first five years of your life are so important. Um, they kind of shape you beyond you, you understanding how, how important they are. Um, and, and, and my mom and my dad did a fantastic job. Uh, but I do remember that, uh, when I was around eight or 10, the, the little city that I'm from, it's a, it's a city, it's kind of like in a valley. So, so Bolivia is a pretty big country, um. But mm-hmm. the most known city is La Paz. Uh, and I'm not from La Paz. My mom is from La Paz, um, and it's the most populated city. Uh, so when you talk about Bolivia, everybody just kind of gravitates to La Paz, if they know anything about Bolivia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and La Paz is great, but it's nothing like Cochabamba. Cochabamba is like a little valley. Um, it's always like 70 llama? Cochabamba? Cochabamba. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, I'm I'm gonna remember it. (laughs) (laughs) It's um, it's Quechua, which is like the Inca um, language. Got it. Yeah, and I think it means. um, Well, I'm gonna say it in Spanish. is is un pequeño charco. Um, I don't know if you know what charco. Uh, Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. I honestly I, I can't I don't know how to say that in English. So <laughs> I
0: know I, I was literally just thinking, I was like, how um how do I say that in English?
1: <laughs> right?
0: It's, it's okay. It's okay. They can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I need to, I hate when this happens to me. I'm like, I don't I can't think of the translation. Like this happens to me too often where I'm like, oh, I saw this meme that was like, when you know two languages, it's like bilingual, like B Y E, like bye, like you're losing (laughs) both languages. That (laughs) That happens to me all the time. Like Google is my BFF. I'm like, how do you say this in English?
1: (laughs) I swear I speak it. I just don't know all the words. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So when you were about, okay, so when you're about eight or 10, right, that's where we
1: left off. Yeah. So when I was about eight, like eight through 10, I started to notice like little like, societal issues right i started to notice that you know getting water was was a big deal um obviously you don't think about water often mm-hmm. right because you just turn mm-hmm. on the tab and there's you have water um but you know in Cochabamba because it's like a little valley and and there isn't really like you know water around us it's more of a rainfall and all that good stuff um i think at the time what was happening was uh there was a privatization of water so they were making it like a commodity and you had to buy it and but it was it was very corrupt as most things are in in our third world countries you know they they do everything they can to kind of rip you off um right. so there was a lot of uh instability because people obviously need water like you can't you can't live right. without water yeah so it's kind I, of the, important <laughs> it's kind of like oxygen or food it's kind of important <laughs> <laughs> yeah for um, sure and um I remember my dad um he he was um he was talking to my mom we were we were eating like you know el almuerzo like lunch lunch was a big lunch is a really big thing I'm, I'm you're from uh where are you from girl Honduras. Honduras Honduras yes yeah so I don't know if you guys do this in Honduras but uh in Bolivia we're very like like in Spain, right? In Spain, they, they take like a three hour like break in the middle of the day. So if you if you go to work, you take like a two hour lunch, you go home and mm-hmm. everybody in your family eats lunch together. ¿Cómo le um, dicen? ¿Siesta? It's, it's, yeah, in Spain it's siesta, pero en, en Bolivia we were just like, almuerzo, you know, es, es, es el almuerzo, yeah. you know, um, because mm-hmm. that, that's kind of, that was normal. That, that was normal. So my dad would come home for, from work and then, you know, he would. Essentially, like for if I was in school, he would come pick me up from school, and then we would get lunch, and and then it was like a whole moment. And then he would drop. Oh me wait, that's hella cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's hella cute. I I mean, I wasn't raised or born in Honduras, so I don't know if that was something like my my siblings went through. Because they, I mean, they went through like a. My my mom was really well off over there, so they had a different life. I think in general. But I definitely did not have that growing up. <laughs> My dad was <laughs> gone. Like he was gone. He would be gone for like months at a time sometimes because he needed to get a job and he needed to like go wherever the job was. And sometimes it was in Miami or Texas, you know, like he would be gone a lot of the time. But that's hella cute. <laughs> you would have a lunch with your dad.
1: Yeah, dude, it was so adorable. Like, oh, man, that was amazing. <laughs> he was a really good. Like he was. Aww. he always made sure like we were like first. Um, above anything, right? Um, but yeah, I remember him having a conversation during one of our, like, our umwar. So it was my brother, my mom, you know, we were there. And he was telling my mom that, you know, he thought that it was time that we moved just because of the political um, instability. And my mom was like, shook. She was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> She was just like, what do you mean? We have everything we want. We're pretty stable. We are mm. good. And he was like, yeah, we're good now. But what about them? You know, this is about, you know, our
0: kids, you know,
1: and my mom. Oh,
0: like, <laughs> I just want to pause right there because this is such an important story because people think immigrants come here because they want to. And, and in some cases, yes, it is the case. But like in another way, there's pressure to leave because of that political unrest, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and like, yeah. like just thinking of your mom, she's like, what? Like we got it all. But your dad's like, but the future of our generations, you know, like our children. Mm-hmm, exactly. Oof, that is a powerful and I think very relatable story to, to immigrants everywhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you're absolutely right. There's this big misconception that, you know, why would you leave a place If you're good, like, does anybody Mm -hmm. ever think about that? (laughs) Like, right, (laughs) like, starting from scratch is hard, like, super duper hard. So, why would someone do it if it wasn't like the only thing that they thought of that would bring like a much better future for their kids, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think people need to really open their eyes a little bit and, and be a little bit more pathetic, right? Because this isn't no one, no one wants to. Like being an immigrant is extremely difficult. One, you don't know what's going on because you don't speak the language. And two, you're looked down upon. So it's it's a very difficult thing to to do. And you have to be extremely strong to do it, right? And mm-hmm. and that's why I appreciate our community a lot because we are strong. <laughs> like the yeah, things that we've been through, strong. yeah, that takes some strength. Um, yeah, but my mom wasn't about it though. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, nope, nope. <laughs> Um, But like when my dad said that, uh, my mom just looked at us and she was like, you're right. And that was like, that was it. That was the decision that was made. Um, And I didn't know this until probably like maybe like a year ago um, that my mom told me that my dad had been applying for a visa to come to the United States since he was in college. And he would apply every single year. Um, And, you know, we came here when I was 10. So that was what, 20 years, 20 years of applications. And, and you know, to, to get the visa that we got, we got, I don't remember what it was called because, you know, things are a lot different now because, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. of our current president. Um, but back in the day, it was it was a different visa. It was a visa that was essentially given to, to people from countries um, where the, the, the population of that particular country isn't really in the United States. So I come from, I guess, a mm-hmm. rare country in the sense of immigration-wise, right? Um, wow. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's really interesting. I just found out. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, it. I had so no like, idea. Me either. I was like, really? <laughs> so I, thought, hey, I didn't either. Who am I? <laughs> um, my mom was like, yeah. So it kind of like a lottery. So because I'm always, I I tend to do this, and I don't mean to do it. I just I'm really dramatic and extra. I'm always like, I'm so unlucky, <laughs> girl, girl.
0: That's her Leo. That's me too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. We're just like, no, why do bad things happen to good people?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. No, literally same.
1: <laughs> right. So extra. Um, But my mom said that and she was like, yeah, it was like a, like a lottery pick. And and we like, I don't know, it was. I don't know the chances of getting it, but they're really, really slim. And we got it right, and we got a, a residential visa, like where you know we can come and actually live here. And there's a path for us to to get like a green card and be citizens, mm-hmm. right? So we mm-hmm. we did win the lottery, and which explains why I can't win it again. You know what I mean? Because I already won it. So <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: your luck has ran out. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is it, y'all. Um, yeah, so then we did that. And I remember just being like shook that we were going to leave because like my mom said, we were really well off. We were good. Um, and then, and then coming to the United States and, and landing in Miami, cause I feel like that's where most people from South America land. Um, mm-hmm. that was interesting cause you, I'm seeing people from all over like Cuba, Colombia, you know, Ecuador, Panama, you know all these countries right that i haven't really you know you hear of them you see them in the map and then you see someone from there and, and like it makes it real like not that the country doesn't exist
0: <laughs> but it was just, no no i get i get you i know what you mean yeah
1: yeah you're like oh okay now i know someone from like puerto rico which i've never ever had you know so it was really mm-hmm. interesting to see like the melting pot of of latinos in miami um so it was interesting, but at the same time, like my mom and my dad had a hard time finding jobs. And um, so we had to move. And I remember, <laughs> I hated this little girl. They wanted to move to Idaho. And I was like, Ooh. I never did... yes, girl.
0: <laughs> you ain't gonna find no melting pot of Latinos over there.
1: <laughs> girl, no, I was or maybe I'm month. wrong, I don't know. <laughs> it was probably like two of us, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> in <the whole> state. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the reason they wanted to go to Idaho was because we used to always have like little missionaries like come to our house and my mom was like really nice and so was my dad. So we always like let them in and you know we'd have conversations and we thought it was cute that they wanted to know more about the country. Um you know, because you know, you're from like like one of them was from Idaho. Like what? Like I never even knew that was a state until I met this person, right? um so it was it was really interesting so we were like oh remember sean he was like yeah if you're ever in the u.s just come to idaho we're in the u.s and <laughs> so we went to idaho and it wow was a- <laughs> how old were you is this when I you were 10 yeah it was still when i was 10 because like we we were in, in miami for a little bit but not long not long at all i think it was maybe like six months tops um And yeah, it was it was great. But at the same time, you know, we were we were essentially living off what my my parents had saved in Bolivia um, during this six months because they couldn't really find a good paying job. Um, And it was also really expensive for them. Uh, Well, when you don't have money, I think everything's expensive. Right.
2: Mm
1: hmm. (laughs) So we moved to Idaho and I think that's when it really hit me because in Miami like at least you know I was around Latinos and they spoke Spanish and there wasn't really like that deep need for me to speak in English cuz everybody in my neighborhood spoke Spanish right mm-hmm. so it was like being in Bolivia pero con con más sazón right cuz i had more yeah. puerto <laughs> more more more, more people. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like oh this is great like i'm learning how other like, people speak Spanish, because we all speak it differently, right? Especially, so, you know, so for- different, yeah, girl, it's like, it was, it was so cool. It was so cool. I love Miami. So then you go to Idaho, which is like the complete opposite. <laughs> like, holy crap, I was shook. I was so, so concerned for myself. Because <laughs> I've never been in snow. um, And that was like, my first time like seeing snow and, and just being Utterly uncomfortable, right? Like when you're so out of place and everyone kind of makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Like even like waiting for the bus was a mess. Like I would just wait and, you know, other kids would come by and they wouldn't stand next to me or, you know, because I wasn't, I was different. And it was really interesting because that was, I've never experienced that. And I was like, wow, where am I? <laughs> this is why yeah. uh, it was horrible. And I remember I learned a little bit of English. Um, enough to just kind of, you know, the English that they teach you, like, oh door, you know, floor, roof. My name is (laughs) the very useful English. And I remember, um, I remember walking into like my homeroom, right? Like where, you know, I was supposed to like my actual real classroom. And I remember walking in and I was, I was like, the teacher was kind of like telling me things that I couldn't really understand her. And then I remember like all the kids coming in and they just kind of like circled me. <laughs> they were like, Ooh, who's this, you know? And I remember the teacher saying, oh, she's in eighth grade, because I remember eighth grade. And they were like, wow, she must be a genius. And then they were, <laughs> it was so cute. But then they were like, she was like, no, she can't really speak. Oh, and then they were like, oh, then it's the opposite. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. (laughs) it was interesting though because it was so cute because they were so disappointed that I wasn't in eighth grade um and they were also very like disappointed that I just didn't speak but I was disappointed in myself even though one girl like what are you talking about like you just kind of got here there's no but like I had that pressure in myself already that I was far behind and I already kind of gave them a bad impression of myself. Like even at 10, I felt the pressure of just being better and just showing that like, no, like I'm from Bolivia. Like you don't know the country, but I swear we are good. <laughs> you know what yeah,
0: I mean? Yeah, yeah, That's where it started. Where you were like, I'm really trying to represent Bolivia and my people and yeah. not be a statistic. That's where it started.
1: It did. It started at that age, like super young. I was like, not today. Like you will not, (laughs) you will not like pity me or or think that I can't do something that you can do. Um, So it was, it was quite difficult, honestly. Uh, I think like during recess, like I would actually go to, to the library and like grab like, like, cause it was like, I was still in elementary school. So you still have kids that were little, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So I would go to like the really like little, like little kid, section of the library and start like reading trying to understand what words meant Um because i really wanted to communicate and have an actual conversation with people and that was i did that i think for like six months and then and then i i spoke english <laughs> but it was hard so my heart goes out to everybody that like comes here and tries to start all over again because i've been there i know what it's like and i think it's very unfair for people to to jump judge them and, and, you know, think that they're, they're lazy or they're criminals or they're, you know, they're, they're all the worst things in the world. And it's like, you don't even know what's going on.
0: (laughs) I know there's so much going on below the surface, right? Oh my God. Don't even get me started on that. (laughs) (laughs) But were you, were you in ESL classes or were you like teaching yourself English through reading books?
1: I was, I was in ESL classes, but I always felt like they were like they were going super slow. Um and that's the pressure I put on myself. It wasn't them. You know what I mean? It was most mostly me like putting myself in a position where like, no, like you you should because like we would have like obviously math class, right? And math is universal. So I knew math. I was like, okay, I get it. I know this. Like I could I could get to the answer, but I couldn't talk about how I got to the answer. Right. So whenever we we had like little sessions where like the teacher would be like oh who can solve this I would raise my hand and then she would call me and I would solve it and then she she'd be like how'd you get there and I was like ma'am I can't speak like (laughs) (laughs) I can't explain things I just know I got got it right though (laughs) right Right? it was it was interesting but it was cute because she was trying to get me to speak Um, But I just couldn't talk. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't say how I got there. Um, So, you know, I would go to ESL classes, but I would also like do my little homework on the side. And that was like read little books and watch TV and and see how people communicate and how they say certain things because, you know, we don't really have to be proper all the time. But yeah, that's, that's basically my life in elementary school in Idaho.
0: Wow, and did you ever move out of Idaho, or did you spend the majority of your life there?
1: So we did move to Idaho. Um, okay, I guess like backstory. My dad, when he was younger, and he was you know applying to visas, he did an study abroad uh program that brought him to the united states and i think that's what like triggered his love to for the united states again uh, okay yeah so that's why he was like we have to go to the united states and i remember his study abroad program was in the south so it was somewhere like in mississippi or somewhere somewhere in the south but he somehow ended up being in Houston for a little bit, and he loved Houston. He absolutely adored Houston. um So when <laughs> when it started to snow, because it's real, and you know I'm from a <laughs> tropical <laughs> country. <laughs> yeah, the snow's real, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, it's like like feet, right? It's not because it's Idaho. It's like my like first
0: time. How was that like first experience of snow coming from a tropical place, and then being like, what in the world is going on?
1: <laughs> it was. So I didn't even know what to think about. It. I just knew that it was beautiful. Like it was so beautiful, but also very messy, you know, because like people <laughs> people driving the snow is so scary. Um, mm-hmm. but it was gorgeous. I remember just standing outside and like, you know, you know how when you like you when there's snow, you just go outside and you open your mouth and like snowflakes fall into your <laughs> mouth. I did that and it was like the most magical experience of my life <laughs> because oh. I've I've never seen it, and it was amazing. I thought it was great, but you know, it, it wears off real quick because <laughs> that's that's like months. <laughs> it's months of like right, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like wait, I don't like it anymore. I'm cold all the time. Um, so y'all were like,
0: yeah. "F this! I'm going to Houston where it's hot <laughs> all the time." <laughs>
1: we just can't we just can't win um but yeah that's what happened like my dad was like yeah we should probably go to houston because one there's more jobs there and two it's just warmer right so so we did that and that was a trip because obviously we were poor and we had to take the bus and the bus from idaho to houston was horrible yeah Yeah, it it was just the longest bus ride ever Um, but we finally got there like my my dad and my brother went separately and they they got a u-haul in the car and all that good stuff and they were driving separately and i remember when we got there like uh i could tell that my dad wasn't feeling well he was really sick and that that's that's when i was around 12 so we were in idaho for a couple of years um and then you know we found out that he was really really sick and then that's essentially when my childhood took a horrible turn. Cause that's when we found out that, oh girl, I'm about to cry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm so sorry, girl.
0: Don't be sorry.
1: I think when um uh, when I when I talk about my dad, there's just so so much pain behind it because I never really dealt with 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 his death, um, when I showed up. And I think when you're younger, it's really difficult to to deal with that, especially when when you have so many things going on, right? Not only are you are you trying to essentially do everything you can to be successful in this country <laughs> because the pressure is so on you, but you're also trying to be strong for your family. So I I remember when my dad died, like I couldn't, like I was obviously devastated and I think I cried. But the next day I remember I had to take my SATs and Mm. like, I was like, I'm not in the mood, (laughs) you know, because I don't think anyone is in the mood. And I remember my mom, she woke up and she was like, hey, you know, you have to take your SATs today. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. So I remember going to take the SATs and taking them. But I don't really remember what was in there. I just remember getting picked up and, and then going back home and just sleeping the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was really difficult. Like, I don't think I ever brought myself to, to really talk about my dad ever because I think if I talked about him, I would just break down. And for like, like we said earlier, right? Like, you, you just have to be strong to be an immigrant. Um, And Mm -hmm. I felt like any kind of weakness would kind of just just seep into anything else that I was doing, which was going to school, trying to get my life in order, um, trying to make sure my mom was fine. So I always kept it together. Mm -hmm. But I think now that I'm like a little bit older and a little bit more healed, it just kind of still comes. I'm like, oh, don't cry. (laughs) But it still still happens.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. But it sounds like your dad was an amazing person. And so I understand all the emotion behind it. So I appreciate you sharing that. And girl, I wish I can hug you right now. I'm thank sending you. you some hugs. <laughs> I ask... No, but you, I mean, were you in? So you were taking the SAT. So you were in high school at this. Yeah, time? yeah, I was
1: 17. You know, like the world is your oyster <laughs> in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's what they say. But my dad got sick when I was twelve. Um, and throughout this time he he was always in the hospital. so I, I don't really remember a majority of like from twelve to seventeen because I was always with my dad, right? We were in very like in various hospitals, um, just you know, hoping that things would change. um he needed a liver transplant. So my dad didn't really speak English, so whenever you know we had to he had a doctor's appointment or something like me or my mom or my brother would have to go with him. Um, so mm-hmm. that's also another thing, right? When when it comes to immigration, right? Healthcare, <laughs> like that's a big yeah. thing because right. when you are once again like immigrant, you don't speak English and you also don't have money. It's very difficult to get quality healthcare, and that's just yeah. the reality. That's just the reality of our system as well. I mean, even if you. I don't know if you watched uh, uh, the uh, documentary uh, about Serena Williams. Um, it's uh, like, no,
0: but I, I, I saw one of her events and she talked about it and I was so pissed.
1: <laughs> right? Like even someone that's so successful, uh, like everyone knows you and you still go through like issues because of racism. That's just what it is. That's exactly what it is. Right. Yeah,
0: it exists. And uh, again, when you say, systemic it's literally the system in every single aspect healthcare is included in that
1: <laughs> exactly and that is super super sad because it really does affect your life like it costs your life right um and you know like when i saw that documentary with with, uh, with serena i was just like girl what are we doing <laughs> what exactly are we doing because not even having money and being famous and being rich is is going to help you right um so imagine being in that position but essentially in the eyes of the system being nobody right being an immigrant uh, you know i, I remember when I, I would go to the doctor with my dad it was very frustrating to just be able to, to speak to someone that cared enough right that wanted to help because they just saw him as oh he's just another person right it's it, it just it feels like nobody really cared enough to really sit there and find out what the issue was until it was a bit too late and i was like whoa yeah (laughs) Yeah, it was really sad i'm so sorry girl no it's okay i mean things happen i now i fully like i'm aware of of you know everything that my parents were trying to protect me from it was it kind of all came crashing at once and i was like whoa Mm -hmm. the world is a cold place (laughs) yeah cold out here
0: (laughs) It's it really- like Idaho out here, <laughs> <laughs> girl.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it really is.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, oh my gosh. But that was, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you for not remembering those moments 12 to 17. And I feel like th- those are very, um, like pivotal ages, you know, like you're really changing so much. And so I feel like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that experience with your dad probably hella shaped you into the person you are because those moments, those ages, they're so crucial. And I really, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, wow, it tells me so much about who you are. And like, just you're, and I'm meeting you for the first time and I'm like, oh my God, like I can already tell you're so warm and inviting, but also hella strong. Like, you're a strong woman. And I'm like, I see see where it comes from.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I always like, I always talk to to other people and they tell me about, you know, their stories and their childhood. And, and all I remember from my childhood is like my Bolivian childhood, you know, because I think mm-hmm. that was such a good time and it wasn't traumatizing at all. Whereas, you know, it's, it's ironic, right? Like we were technically, we were really good. And my dad was really focused on, you know, our future. And, like, I guess he was focused on, like, our future now, like, now that I'm 30, but not, like, our immediate future. And and that was, like, the most traumatizing time of my life. Um, obviously not his fault. <laughs>
0: but, you know, like, yeah, in those moments of... You going through what you were going through with your father, like seeing your dad and, and the situation he was in, and being there with your family, like how, from an immigrant first gen standpoint, knowing that you had an amazing childhood in Bolivia to going to the US for a better life, like how were you feeling in those moments?
1: Um, yeah, I did feel a little bit of, of resentment, and I, and I wish we never left because life was just so much easier in Bolivia. Like it felt so much simpler, too. It just felt very very family oriented, whereas when I moved here, it felt very like work driven and money. And every every conversation we had was about money, which I understand, right? Like back in Bolivia, we were driven by other things because we didn't have to worry about that. Whereas now we're in a different, we're in the other side of the road, right? Like we we have to worry about those things. And my dad was sick a lot of the times. So my mom had to work multiple jobs. Um, and you know, that was hard for my mom too, because my mom wasn't used to that either. Um, yeah, so my, ask, did she work in Bolivia or no? She worked in Bolivia a little bit, but not that much because we didn't really have to, but my mom, you know, she was a very, she's a very strong lady. She does what she wants and <laughs> she spilled that in me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, I will work. <laughs> so, okay. You can work. It's cool. <laughs> but yeah, she, she worked and she, she had an incredible job. I remember she she loved shoes, so she had like this. Uh, she was like the manager of this really like bougie shoe place, and like she would pick me up from school, and like I would just go there. And I had like I love shoes too, and I think it's because of that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surrounded by shoes since I was little. Um, and yeah, she loved that that job. My dad was an accountant and like uh, in a very like high position at some company in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Um. So we were good, but, you know, now that he's moved here and we're here, he can't speak English, so he can't, and he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And, you know, part, I mean, when he got sick, he also got uh, Parkinson's, which just affected the way he thought, right? Like he couldn't, he couldn't uh, elaborate things properly. His hands would shake a lot. um, So he couldn't write. Um, So it was really difficult seeing the, I guess the transition from, you know, someone that's incredibly intelligent, cause that's, my dad was incredibly intelligent to someone that, you know, just couldn't talk or or couldn't write. So I, I, think, I think that really hit home <laughs> cause it was a very, it was like a very black and white, like transition, right? Like we went from, yay, life is great to like, holy crap, <laughs> we're poor and my dad's dying, <laughs> like, whoa.
0: That's heavy.
1: Yeah, it was it was rough, but but my mom was a, she's a she's a very strong lady, like extremely strong cuz during this entire time she had multiple jobs and obviously jobs that when you don't speak English and you're an immigrant you have, right? She worked at McDonald's, she worked at I, I don't remember what motel and she was like a cleaning lady and you know, she was doing things everything she could to make sure that we were good. And, you know, she wasn't home because she was working two jobs. And my dad wasn't home either because he was in the hospital. So it was just me and my brother. And I remember, um, like, the reason why I love Houston so much is because during this, like, horrible time, um, I remember that, like, our neighbors would, like, come and check on us to make sure that we were okay because somehow they got wind of the fact that, like, we weren't, <laughs> we were alone, <laughs> like that me and my brother were alone. So some of our neighbors would, like, make food and they would bring it to us and I remember one of the ladies she was Mexican and she was like the sweetest and she made uh mole and I've never had more oh, yes girl <laughs> I was like wait you're a like minute. what is mole man come back <laughs> I like, where are you going don't leave where you at right I was like wait a minute what is this miracle food um uh, So, yeah, so that's why I love Houston, because I felt like during this horrible transition, because I remember when when they found out that my dad was sick, he had uh, autoimmune hepatitis. They told us that he had six months to live, right? And I was 12, and I was, like, destroyed. I was like, oh, my God, what the heck? And um, I was not, I don't remember, like, I don't remember, like I said, like, what happened between 12 and 17. I have, like, very vague memories. Um, but I do remember like when I found out that I was completely devastated as we all were. And during this time, uh, my mom was like fully about working work mode because, you know, she needed to make sure that we were good and we didn't have food. So we would go to churches to get like, you know, those canned free foods, um, to make sure that we were good. And then the neighborhood was like, Oh, y'all are struggling. <laughs> like, Let's help you out a little bit. And and it just kind of came to our aid. And, and that's why I love Houston so much, because I don't I don't think I've ever been in a place where like people were so about like helping you. And and that was that was the vibe in Houston. and I was like, oh, I love it here. That's what my dad wanted to move here.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. And like, you know, I'm always trying to find like the poetic parts in life where I'm like, you know, it's really beautiful that, you know, your dad, he studied abroad in Houston. And he was like, I want to go back. Like, you you know, he's like, let's leave Idaho. Let's go back. And, like, essentially, you guys were able to find what he found when he first went to the United States. And it was that community. And so, I'm like, beautiful.
2: Yeah.
0: Let's talk about, like, what happened after 17. Like, you know, going through this, losing your father, which is, like, so big and very life-changing. Like, what happened after 17?
1: Um, so my dad was big on me going to Baylor University. I have no idea why. I was just like, why? <laughs> why do you want me to go to Baylor? <laughs> okay. No tienes ninguna razón. I don't understand. Like you haven't even gone to Baylor, but you know, my dad. had yeah. a reason. <laughs> So, um, I actually didn't want to go to school anywhere in Texas. Like I wanted to go as far away as I could. Uh, just because I wanted to kind of escape the reality of my life, which was just absolute trash at the point. And yeah. I just like, I just need to just go somewhere else, get my life in order, um, feel a little better about myself, just kind of just find myself because I felt like from 12 to 17, it was it was me just kind of holding it down in the house um, and, you know, kind of helping my mom, helping my dad. and And I didn't really know who I was. Right. I didn't really go through the faces that most kids go through. Right. Like you go to parties. I never went to a party. Like I think I went to one party and it was because my mom and my dad dropped me off and then they came and picked me up like an hour later. <laughs> you know, that was it. That was it. That was my one, one party. hour partying. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. And it was like, and I think the reason she let me go to this party, which is my mom, was because it was literally like 10 minutes away from my house like so she was like oh it's right there I can see you kind of you know if, if something happens like literally walk and <laughs> you'll be fine right um because you know like latina moms and latino dads are like very protective overprotective.
0: oh hella protective I, I I'm like laughing because I also went to like one party and <laughs> it was my prom <laughs> Yes, girl. So that was it. That was the only dance I ever went to. That was the only party. Like, even the after party, my parents were waiting there. They're like, we're here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So I get you, girl. We're not yeah, alone. You. <laughs>
1: right. you can't do anything without them, really. Um, so, Literally. yeah. <laughs> it was so interesting because, like, I was like, I'm going to go somewhere super far. And I applied to really, like, far schools. And I got into Penn State and I was like, Pennsylvania, I've heard of the place. <laughs> so, so I ended up going to Pennsylvania. And, and I think that was honestly like the best four years of my life um, because I got to meet like people that wanted to make a difference in the world. And, and they were so driven, you know, because when you go to college, you meet incredible people. Like you meet people that really, really, right? Like that really believe in, in a better world um and i was surrounded by like absolutely intelligent people and they were black and hispanic right and that's those yeah. are the communities that i i gear towards because that's that's where i was at you know like when i was in houston it was that was my people <laughs> right those yeah. i went to school that was black and hispanic right um so it was fantastic i loved it i loved everything about it and It challenged me. It challenged me a lot because once again, I don't remember high school. So going into college, you kind of have to remember some things. (laughs) There was a a little learning curve uh, there, but I met incredible people. I experienced new things. I think that was like one of the first times that I ate like, like real, like Chinese food and Asian food and Thai food. Like my roommates were, uh, one of them was, I think from thailand and another one's from china and all like i was just blown away by the incredible diversity um and and i loved it i yeah it was oh my uh,
0: god! i'm thinking about when i went to san jose people would hella make fun of me because i'm like i never had sushi and they're like what and i'm like you <laughs> know we don't eat sushi like what <laughs> yes. i grew up, i literally grew up with like comida andoreña, comida mexicana because i was in san diego and then we love chinese food it's like a thing Like we always say, you have to love Chinese, but like, it's just, (laughs) but like anything else from that, like I had no idea. I was like, Oh, sushi's bomb. I didn't know this existed or like, you know, like comida, I don't even know. And okay. So this is the one embarrassing story I'm going to tell you. So we went out to the sushi place my freshman year. And of course, it's like it's Disneyland I mean, You know, I'm like, what? It's like all these foods. <laughs> and I'm like, are fish and you don't cook it? Like, It was all these things where I was like, this is so new. But my friend at the time, she, well, she's still my friend, but she's Japanese. She's Hawaiian. So she's like, oh, yeah, girl, like this is bomb. And then yo de bruta, I was like, oh, do they have boba here? And they're like, no, Jasmine, that is not... <laughs> <laughs> that is not something you're going to find here. And I was like, oh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh but anyways, my God, I, that is so funny. I was trying
0: all these new foods and I was like, my world, my world is opening up.
1: <laughs> right? It is like the most incredible, like honestly, it was hella expensive, but I would do it in a heartbeat again, because that was an amazing experience. And I met incredible people and I found myself in a sense, like I found like I found what I like to do like when I went in there I was essentially I, I I'm pretty sure you know the pressures right like you you go to college and then your mom is kind of expecting you to be an engineer or a doctor right so yeah. Yeah. that was that was what I was thinking in the back of my mind like I was like okay so he entrado a hacer una ingeniera like I'm going to be an engineer that's my job and then I was like mm, maybe I want to be a doctor so then I <laughs> so I dabbled in both and then I was like, nah, I don't wanna do this. Like, who am I lying? Like, I, I hate all of these classes, right? And if I hate it, yeah. like, like why, why would I wanna do this? And then I remember having that tough conversation with my mom, cause I was doing the most. I think I took like seven classes, like every semester because I was just all over the place Girl, I don't know what I was thinking. And one semester I was taking like calculus, physics, genetics, chemistry like all of the hard classes de todo <laughs> de todo in, in like in the mismo semester and i was like like i couldn't sleep i couldn't like i was i was going through it and i remember I remember calling my mom crying and i was like i can't do this mom like i just like if i wanted to maybe i would but i just don't want to do this and then she was like what do you like and i was like well i'm taking econ and i really like it she was like just do that then I'm like thinking it's
0: it's the pressure that you put on yourself since you were ten years old, right? Like queriendo ser algo más, you know, like representing again your culture, your family, your your people, your community. Like I get it. So I, yeah. I like I feel like in that moment you crying is like literally you saying, like, I just can't take all this pressure. Like
1: it, I, Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. And like this sounds really weird, but like I remember when we were little, I you know, my mom she she didn't work well you know uh, me and my brother were were young right she she was the one that taught us like how to write how to read you know like adding subtracting like all that stuff before we went to school right so to go into like the schools that we went to you had to take a test and if you did really good you got into the school right and (laughs) like, like ever since like it being super tiny I was just like in that like mode of just you have to perform, you know, and it it got really tiring, you know, it gets really, really tiring at at a certain point. And I think for me, I think if, if my dad hadn't been sick, and if I didn't have the stress of the world on me to just kind of like perform, I think I would have done better. But I just, I think I was, I was holding on to too many things at once. And I just had to let one go. And that was me becoming a doctor or, or an engineer, because at the end of the day, I didn't really care for that as much as I could have so like who cares if I let that go but I but I really have to hold it down together for my family uh and keep myself like from not falling apart so I think it was it was all right get letting that go I think my mom understood she was like girl you've been under a lot of stress (laughs) just go ahead and let go." (laughs)
0: yeah I get it no that's so true and then did you end up doing econ
1: yeah yeah I loved it I loved everything about it I was like this
0: makes sense and it's kind of well I mean econ I don't really know too much about econ but like that's in like the finance world right and so like wasn't yes. your dad also in finance
1: yes that's why I loved it because oh, I love that so like- that's the poetic <laughs> part of
0: life right there like that's amazing
1: yeah, I think he would have been really proud. He would have been like, oh, yeah, you did that. Oh, he is.
0: <laughs> well, oh, my gosh, girl, I am loving all of these things that you're talking about. And I think like there's so much of it that I'm like, wow, like that's what my brother went through or that's what, you know, like. I have gone through, it's like, it's really beautiful because our community, although so diverse, we come from Bolivia, Honduras, Mexico, like wherever it is that we come from, we still have so many similarities when we come into this country because we're living that first-gen life, like we're the first, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the first yeah. to really have these experiences and really get immersed into this different culture while also navigating our own stuff like in our families in our cultura like there's just things that we're still navigating. So I think it's just so beautiful that you've told this story in such an authentic and very emotional and vulnerable way. Like thank you. I um I want to move into our cafecito and cheese portion because there's some questions I want to ask you about what you're up to now. And I think this is a perfect segue. Like you going to Penn State doing econ and then post college like what you're doing with life now.
1: Yeah for sure. Before
0: we switch over one question, because this is something I'm curious about. I'm sure people listening who don't know about Bolivia are interested in. Tell us your favorite parts about being Bolivian. It could be food, Ooh. history. If you know it, like, what? Are, what's your favorite parts about being Bolivian?
1: So my favorite part, which, girl, I had to hunt this down because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I was like in like a little limbo like I'm not truly Bolivian because I haven't really been to Bolivia for a long time but then I'm also not American so it's like a really weird like you said first-gen shenanigans like identity thing uh with your culture itself oh, just
0: reminded me of what you just said is you know that phrase "ni de aquí, ni de allá? Sí. I heard oh, forget her her name but she said de e y like she like switched it up and I was like oh that sounds like what you're kind of going through it's like you're from these two places and you 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 embody both you know
1: that is so much more positive I love it I so love that yes girl because like you belong to both places instead of just acting like you don't belong yes Yes, you don't change my life thank you (laughs) (laughs) we're best friends now basically so (laughs) yes y'all um (laughs) So I think my favorite part is, um, I found out as I was reading through, because I was going through many, many identity crises trying to figure out about like my Inca culture, right? Like I did a whole like DNA and mean test and turns out I'm like about 80% like Inca. And I was like, that's dope. Yeah, girl. Beautiful, girl. Right, that's like basically a hundred, right? I was like, okay, like let's let's keep rounding, let's keep rounding.
0: Like- oh my god, one hundred percent Incan. There you yes, go. Yeah,
1: there you go. And I didn't even know that much about my culture, so I went. I'm a I'm like a very curious bookworm type of person, so I went to like all the sites and I try to find like a book of like Inca history and I and I watched all these documentaries and I finally found like one book that I was like, okay, cool but it was like in Spanish and it was from Peru, you know, Peru. um, Mm -hmm. So Peru, Peru y Bolivia, I just got, I just got real Spanish there. Um, They used to be one country. (laughs) They used to be a country back in the day and Bolivia was uh, Sud Peru or South Peru. Right. And then Peru was just Peru. And um, what I found out was that like back in the day when, you know, we were were, uh, under Spanish rule, the first people that in Bolivia, that decided to rise against uh, the Spanish rule were uh, women from Cochabamba. And I was like, okay, word. (laughs) Oh my God, that's hella cool. What? Yes, girl, like it wasn't the man, you know, like no shade, but at the same time, like, like, you know, like Inca culture was very like matriarchal and like, it was a very equal, very civilized society, right? But I just thought it was so dope that it was like, no, you know, and get it. You're a woman with like a machete, right? Like you might, you might get killed against a man with a, <laughs> with a gun, but at least you had the courage to stand up and do it. And that was really, really empowering as a woman. And as someone from, from that city, right? I was like, okay, word. Like we were really that bad. Yes, we were. So <laughs> so I think that's something that I want people to understand about Bolivia. Like we, it, it was it was a dark time, but, you know, you had your girls holding you down. So,
0: And, you know, I have to admit, I, I recently saw um, Netflix had a Latin America special for street foods. Did you see that? yes yes and i saw bolivia girl shout out and i was like man the women in bolivia are like hella like strong like i was so impressed and moved so i'm like hearing that story from you i'm like oh this all makes sense (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) y'all haven't if y'all haven't tuned in that that latin america street foods is so bomb like all the episodes are so so bomb and i love that each one it represents these countries but it represents like like the minorities of those countries, <laughs> like yes. it was super dope to see, like you know, Japanese in in Peru or mm-hmm. Las Cholas, right? Is that what it was? Yes. In yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. fun. Anyways, it is. I had to yep. do that segue.
1: <laughs> no, girl, that's a perfect segue. Yeah, I love that show. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. Well, okay. So let's, let's do our cafecito and cheese, man. I have my little cafecito here, although I'm going to admit I'm like almost done with it. (laughs) I would really like, like sipping all the tea, but I want to know what you're up to now. And I really want to focus on your business because you glaze skin business. Like you started this and you are really passionate about skincare. Like tell me a little bit about your business and why you created it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So clay skin was born out of just my obsession with skincare. I think stress has a lot to do with it, (laughs) right? Like how your skin responds to a lot of stuff. Um, But when I was a lot younger, my mom, she's always been kind of a very, very uh, skincare conscious person. So she's always been kind of putting me on what I need to do. And she's always bought me really good stuff. And like, even, even when I was super tiny, she'd be like, it doesn't matter what you do, but just wear sunscreen. Right. Uh, which is something that a lot of our people in our community don't hear.
0: Like, I was just gonna say, like, that was not a big thing. Like, in my family, my mom was all about, like, Mary Kay and selling those things. But it was mostly, you know, for the hustle, not so much of like, here's all the beautiful things that your skin can do. And like, here are the best products. Like, it wasn't that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the the messed up part is like, now there's this, this big misconception that you know, like darker skin tones don't need sunscreen, right? It's like what? Like you're still human, you still burn just because you're not like burning like you know the lighter shades doesn't mean that you're not getting affected by by damage, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that that has a lot that has a really big effect on on people. I think we just we just need to be a little bit more educated. Um, and right now, what I'm working on is glaze skin, and the mission is essentially to have. Uh, a sustainable, affordable skincare line, but that's more catered to minorities, specifically Hispanic and African American uh, people, because we need it the most. I think we we are we have like a huge learning curve in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, systematic racism does play a huge role into this, um, but I think uh, uh, one girl, it does. <laughs> like when you open your eyes to what's really going on like it just it's very very disheartening um Mm -hmm. and you know having been in a position where you know i didn't have money and i was around you know mostly people of color it's very like in my heart that i think my mission is to have a company that's catered to them and that employs like like people of color
0: yes for us by us like exactly (laughs) fubu
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i think it's really <laughs> taking it back um <laughs> i think it's it's just something like i don't know if you if you were uh, aware but like i think when uh when george floyd uh passed away there was this huge movement of uh, pulling up or shutting up it was called pull up or shut up and it was mm-hmm. uh it was created by the founder of uma beauty uh her name is sharon Cutter, I believe. I, I'm not. I may not be pronouncing her name right. And she's someone that's been in the beauty industry for a very, very long time. Like she's worked in huge corporations, and she was kind of seeing essentially like big corporations, like, oh yeah, we're gonna donate like ten thousand dollars to this and this. And then that was it, right? And, and and as as great as it is that you are donating, like, what are you doing internally, right? Like, what are your policies to include people of color? in your decision-making moves, right? Because it's great that, you know, like a lot of people were, essentially the movement was to call out like how many people of color do you have in your staff or or working for you, right? And uh,
0: and then you hear things like, well, Spargo, the CEO, did you see that? Wait, what'd he say? He said that they haven't hit their diversity numbers. I may be, I may be butchering this, but like he says something along the lines of they haven't hit their diversity numbers because there's not enough talent in minorities. Or oh, I was like, what what <laughs> oh my god everyone was like everyone that that has their you know account at Wells Fargo like move
1: <laughs> that is just, horrible <laughs> like how oh. dare you <laughs> wow oh yeah. no yeah and, the, and that's what another thing you know like when I said I want to college and I felt like I just fell in love with the people there and I found these incredible amazing intelligent people girl they were people of color like mm-hmm. so for you to say that the talent isn't there it's just absolutely agreed like you really like you want
0: I can introduce you to this all these people <laughs> literally just check out my network sir <laughs> yeah
1: it's please see LinkedIn yeah <laughs> Right? They're like doing big things. I am extremely proud of like the people that I went to school with because they are killing it. Uh, so it just puts a lot of pressure on me, right? Which is fine. I thrive under pressure. <laughs> uh, but essentially, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I feel
0: like it's so unhealthy. I'm like, why do I like this?
1: <laughs> it's like survival mode. Like you're forced to just, you know, yeah, do it.
0: I yeah, I guess that's what it is. Cause I, yeah, we can talk about that offline, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, girl.
1: Um, So I my my essential goal is to because of that movement, because I saw that a lot of companies didn't have like representation where it mattered. Right. Like, okay, like let's say Sephora pulls up and it's like, oh, you know, 20 percent of our people are of color. Okay, where are they at, though? Like, where are they? Mm
2: -hmm. Are they like
1: in the sales floor or are they in the C-suite making decisions? Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Like your voice needs to be heard. Right. You need to be like that's representation, right? You're representing your your people.
0: Companies really love throwing out percentages like we got this. And again, it's like asking those questions that are challenging for them. Like, where are they? Like, I remember my 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 first and only corporate experience, actually. And literally, I kid you not, girl, like I was literally friends with all the cooks and the cleaners, especially the cooks. Like we were homies. Oh, <laughs> I we really Only. Latinos that were around. Like, there was no Latinos on my team. I was the only one that was Latina. There was like no representation anywhere. Like, I would go into the cafeteria.
1: I saw no one of color. Exactly. Exactly. And you hit it in the head, right? Like, I also work in a large company in Silicon Valley. And yes, I I think I could count in my hand how many of us are there. Like, there's a thousand people there, and probably like three or four people that speak Spanish that are Hispanic. And it's like really, really really depressing because I'm like word
0: (laughs) like yeah no it's like it's hella true though it 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 makes it because it's like the same way that this is I don't know if this is how you feel but like for me you you were saying earlier that you are typically the only Bolivian friend that people have right and it's like a lot of pressure for me, I always felt the same way. Like, I'm usually the only Hondureña, Honduran friend that people have or me, And they're like, oh, my God. And they, like, tell it to me. And I'm like, I get so happy. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, like, the pressure. And also, you're missing out. Like, <laughs> you know, like, there's so many things I'm, like, thinking at the same time. And it's it's the same thing in those spaces where I'm like, when I go in there, it's like, I'm not only representing Latinas or Latinos, I'm representing Hondureños and my my community, you know? And yeah. there's like so much burden that we place on ourselves because we don't want to fail. Because how often do you see people like us in those spaces?
1: Exactly, and and the amount of work that we need to put to get to a position mm-hmm. where we are actually heard is ridiculous. It's incredibly ridiculous. Like it's 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 no. <laughs> like I work hard <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. I, I you know and I'm sure you do too but that, that's because we have to right and it's and you're working really, a
0: full-time job and doing this business right yes
1: girl yes so I'm I'm struggling <laughs> girl <But> it, girl
0: <laughs> I a thousand percent feel you Oh, my yes. God. Someone was like, "Well, you should just like focus on your projects full time. Like, girl, I need to make money. like <laughs> like I yeah. wish. but like one day
1: <laughs> no,
0: for real. one but, day, yes,
1: but like the yeah. the beginning stages are so difficult because you're beginning, right? like you're you don't have a foundation. I mean like i am I'm trying to figure out like everything about it and you know, thank God, I do have an economics degree because I understand business in that sense, right? but and, you know, prior to me working in marketing, I used to work at a financial firm. So I I'm aware of how business works and, you know, like those things. Right. I think I'm I'm pretty good at that stuff, but I still have to worry about like production and all that stuff and and manufacturing and logistics and all that. And, and I I've never done that.
0: So for this business, are you creating the actual skincare line?
1: yeah so the, goal, Ooh, girl, that's
0: the dope. goal
1: yeah girl like the goal is uh, by next year to just actually have like an actual product I was supposed to go touring like manufacturing companies this year but that obviously didn't take place because oh, Gordon, yes girl out here <laughs> right just ruining lives but it's cool um i was like okay well you know this gives you a little bit more of like leeway onto like how you want to structure it because it is it's a I, it's an industry that i've never been in like i've never worked in it right but i'm just a, one of those people that is really fully about it I, it's it's a hobby of mine i love it i'm very very invested in it um so starting from scratch when you're not in the industry is difficult right uh it's so so hard so it has been trying, but I think it's been very rewarding as well because I, it's just, it teaches me patience with myself. It teaches me to to just kind of, <laughs> it's like, girl, you don't know everything and that's absolutely fine. Um, you're going to make mistakes and that's totally cool. Um, you know, especially with with just getting people on board, that, that's been really difficult because I don't, you know, I, my goal is to have people of color run it right? Like I want all of us to be in it. I want, you know, I don't, (laughs) this is, this is nothing. Yes, girl. FUBU. Exactly. Right. Like, and, and we are the people that need it the most, right? Like our voices haven't been heard. Right. Um, so I think it's more important that I amplify those voices by giving you a seat at the table, a table that you very well deserve. And that that's your table, girl. Like Mm, (laughs) snaps to you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, girl. Like that's, that's, that's definitely what we need I don't I always feel like in corporate like in my corporate setting that I don't really and it's it's nothing against you know my my peers or whatever but it just feels like I don't really have a voice because I always have to juggle between like the eggshells of corporate like policies right like I can't really fully like tell you yo that's wrong because then it just seems like I'm out of place or something like. That's
0: what you want to say. You're like, well, I kind of disagree because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my, my God! There's a whole conversation we can have about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, code switching is not fun, and I don't. It's, it's like not just, <laughs> just because I speak differently doesn't mean that I can't, you know, speak. Like I can articulate things, uh, but yeah. that's the goal. The essential goal is to is to to give the voice to to people that actually have a voice and that are doing it well like yeah I think yeah. I think you know the fact that we have to work twice as hard even not even like way more than that means that we're far more capable of succeeding right because the yeah. fact that we're going through all these hoops that have been set into place and we're killing it regardless girl we're kings and queens like <laughs> like I just oh I, girl
0: for real like the hundred percent
1: yes I love
0: we kings and queens we really are um, <laughs> i love that girl i love go check out glazed skin right that's what it's called yes and you're you're girl i see you everywhere on ig you be oh. popping on ig but
1: <laughs> thank you um
0: <laughs> I definitely am big... I didn't have a skincare routine until I was a senior. Not even. I, like, barely got a skincare routine, like, two years ago. <laughs> like, no lie. And I did not wear sunscreen, which bit me in the ass after. But, you know, like all these things where I'm like, yes, our community needs this, needs the education, needs the products, needs all of it. They need you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, talking about all the things that you're doing, telling us your story too, and representing Bolivia. Like I am so amazed by you. And so I want to close this conversation with my favorite part. It's like the beginning and the end are always my favorite because it's so powerful. But I want to close this and ask you um, what you want to manifest for our Latino community. So we're going to close with the brindis with our cafecito, (laughs) Um, which is different for a lot of people. But (laughs) brindis (laughs) with the cafecito. Um, And what do you want to manifest for for Latinos for our community?
1: Ooh, I want to manifest a lot of self love. I think that we are extremely strong dedicated resilient by that is unquestionable like that's what we are but we just need to practice a little bit more self-love and a little bit more more caring for ourselves because we tend to be super giving like <laughs> like i have never met a hispanic, oh, really giving oh, yes i have never met a hispanic person that isn't giving that isn't loving right and that puts people always above them um so I think I think it's time to put some love into ourselves, back into our community, into our lives. And that will that will definitely, definitely help us uh, out in the long run.
0: Mm, cheers to that. Salud. Salud. Yeah, but wasn't that just the most dope conversation? <laughs> Hugs to my girl, Ale, and muchísimas gracias to you for tuning in. Connect with Alejandra on IG at Glaze Skin, find her on LinkedIn, and check out www.glazekin.com. Shout out to Rise On, my sponsor and partner. If you haven't jumped on their offer yet, stick around to listen to Chris Gates, co-founder of Rise On, for all the details you need to know on how to start your mental, emotional, and spiritual fitness journey. Tune in next week for more Cafecito Enchievement and, and more Hello Latino love. Follow me on Twitter at Jasmine, Instagram at OJasmineO4As, and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Andreña.
2: Hey gente! What's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis's guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Ryzon. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rizon is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So, whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise on membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise on membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Mi gente, let's rise on.